From Gimlet, I'm Adam Davidson, and this is Surprisingly Awesome. I'd like to introduce my co-host, Adam McKay. He is a writer and director of some of the best Hollywood comedies of the last 10 years, I would say, including The Anchorman, The Anchorman, (laughs) (laughs) including Anchorman 1 and 2, Talladega Nights. I will say my personal favorite is Step Brothers. And I am joined by Adam Davidson, Peabody Award-winning journalist specializing in finance, economics, uh, does a monthly column in the New York Times, actually, and a co-creator of Planet Money. The idea of this podcast is basically we try and convince each other that something that seems like it would be really boring is actually incredibly awesome. Warning. I do say some bad words in this episode. So if you're listening with kids and you'd rather they not hear them, please listen later. So I have a subject I think that you're going to find, you know how people have subjects that are near and dear to their heart? Yes. I think this is going to be boring and boring to your heart. Free throws. All right. For anyone listening who doesn't know that much about basketball, think of a penalty kick. It's the same thing, only in basketball, obviously a lot more points are scored. So it's one man at a line, one to two shots, no one defending him. That's a free throw. So my interest meter is at zero. Free throw sounds about as boring as I can imagine something being. I mean, I've just, I've never been good at sports. I've never played sports since since high school. And I didn't do much of it in high school. Like since, since I had a gym class. Why didn't you play sports? Any sports? I mean, cause like, I'm not great at sports, but I goof around. It's kind of fun. What what was your wall for you not playing sports? Well, my wife says you can say anything about anyone as long as you say God love them. So <laughs> I'm going to start with my dad, God love him, um, is he's a huge sports guy and he played everything. He played basketball, baseball, but, wow. but tennis was his, it has been his big, big sport. I mean, he's played tennis probably nearly every day of my childhood he would play tennis. Wow. And I think it was seven. Um, and they had like a summer camp, a free summer camp for kids. And so my dad got all excited and he got, I lived in this big building with lots of kids and he got a bunch of my friends and like drove us over there. And my dad said, well, I'll teach Adam. All the other kids go with the counselors. I'll teach Adam. And you know, I, I can't swear that it happened exactly like this. This is the emotional memory I have. Like, I remember holding a racket that was way too big. Okay. And I feel like all the other kids had, like, kid-sized rackets. Oh, no. And... I don't like where this is headed. And my dad serving to me, and, like, I just can't, like, move the racket. I can't get anywhere near the ball. And my dad just screaming at me, like, you fucking idiot. Oh. What the fuck? And my dad's a sweet guy. I feel bad even saying this, but you fuck get the fucking ball. And like, I remember feeling embarrassed that my friends are seeing this. I remember feeling horrified. I remember feeling like, oh, I'm just not good at The this. reaction you were getting was so extreme. It was it? so extreme. And I can remember just like, I'm out. I am out. Yeah. I have n- no interest in sports yeah. at all. So it sounds to me like given this horrible tennis lesson you had many, many years ago that was then reinforced over and over again, we've got to go straight at that trauma. Uh, There's only one way I'm going to convince you of the 
beauty and simplicity, the drama, uh, the, the pain, the history, the bizarreness of the free throw is, you are going to have to shoot a free throw. All right. <laughs> Forget about the crowds. Focus on the fundamentals. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Look at these sneakers. How old would you guess those were? These are my white sports yeah, sneakers. He's wearing, uh, Adam is wearing jogging shoes, workout shoes. They look brand new. And they are how old? I would say about 10 years. There's literally no... That's impressive. Yeah, the, yeah, like that is, you could basically sell these as so new. So when is the last time you shot a basketball? I can't remember shooting one since like high school. So conservatively but, 25 years. Yeah, it's years. possible. I don't know that wow. I'm forgetting, but yes. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to start with just very basic, simple shots just to kind of get loosened up. So we're gonna start right under the hoop and you're gonna just shoot like two foot shots just to get used to it. Wow. You actually have decent form, by the way. Really? Yeah, yeah. We'll just lazily start making our way back to the free throw line. Should one of us yell at you like your dad? <laughs> so you mentioned him when I had the worst shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's clearly the trauma. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's sweet. I have to say, there is a psychological battle inside of me that's like excited to hear I'm good, and then I feel like I'm 12 and <laughs> like being judged. And I say this to you with all due respect, but afterwards, do you want to get ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> with sprinkles? <laughs> wow. Nice, dude. Good. Don't rush. All right, so Adam, we have a little exercise for you here. So you've done quite well on the free throws. We're kind of blown away. Uh, you actually made a bunch. You look really comfortable right away. If you kept doing this, you would start figuring it out even more, and I encourage you to. Now we want you to go back, and you don't have to do anything crazy, but just run at the hoop and dunk it. <laughs> exactly. So the free throw that you did is the one thing that we all can do that the NBA does. Right. We can't dunk. We can't hit three-pointers with any consistency. We can hit one occasionally. Uh, you can't jump up in the air and like throw a shot into the stands off I a guy who was trying to shoot. Through two seven-foot guys into a Exactly, layup. like we can't do that. But the free throw is the one thing all people can do. And we had talked about the fact that like when you're shooting free throws, you have that feeling of like, oh my God, my dad was so critical yeah. when I did it. That's how every NBA guy feels when they go to the line. They all have some crap in their head that they have to overcome. And the game is so fast and physical, all the rest of it, but suddenly it all stops at the free throw line and becomes this psychological moment of where the man has to like stare himself in the face. That's why free throws are secretly the strangest and most fascinating part of basketball. And we'll show you that next. So lo and behold, you actually have a decent shot. We actually had flickers of enjoyment. So I'm gonna show you some of the great NBA players. Uh, these are some of the most dominant athletes to ever grace a basketball court. And I'm gonna show you their experiences with free throws. Whoa. 
So he just did a double clutch air ball. Like, that's bad for that's me. That's DeAndre Jordan doing an air ball. Well, like I was at least hitting the net. <laughs> Horrible misses from wealthy, wow. skilled NBA stars. Wow. <laughs> so who's the one basketball player in the world that you know? I know you don't follow sports. LeBron James. So LeBron James, I think, without an argument, most people would agree one of the top 12 players of all time has a chance to maybe be the best player of all time. He's kind of chasing that title right now. So here is LeBron James at the free throw line. Wow. <laughs> Not air even ball. close. Total air ball. A bunch of them. He's done it numerous times. Wow. I mean, I, I can honestly say I did better. Like, I, I can. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you actually hit a couple that, like, you had perfect form on that swished. So in that moment that you shot that free throw, you did something better than LeBron James did in another moment. Right. <laughs> it's crazy, right? It is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have to say, like, yeah, th this feeling of, like, that the things that I hate about sports are actually, like, the raw emotion are actually something that can bring me to at least be a little interested. Like, I enjoyed watching that. I enjoyed watching those clips of players. And it wasn't just because they were failing and it was like funny bloopers. It was like, I, I, I felt like the emotional intensity of those moments. I felt empathy and like, like that was probably the most I've enjoyed watching sports <laughs> that I can remember. <laughs> I mean, I did have a period of my life. <laughs> I feel like we're in the middle of the woods blowing on an ember <laughs> and we've just seen it start to catch. Because yeah. what you just described in very eloquent, very thoughtful terms, that's being a sports fan. Right. But uh, uh, to really go to the top of the mountain, I think you have to meet the greatest free throw shooter of all time. And... Uh, I would like to introduce you to him right now. He's not going to walk in. He's on tape. I was about nine years old, and I was at the neighbor's house, and they had a basketball goal with a potato sack as a net. And I got under the basket and could just barely get it up to the rim. And when I made one, it was such a thrill. That, that got me interested in basketball. And eventually, my brother, my older brother, put up a rim and basketball goal in our yard. So, all right, so Ted St. Martin, he's the best. He's made the most in a row ever in the history of basketball. What is the official free throw record that you set? How many made in a row? 5,221. I can't even comprehend that. And this took, we looked it up, it took over seven hours? Seven hours and 20 minutes, yes. How crazy is that? Yeah. He continuously shot... Free throws for seven hours. For over seven hours. Without he, missing. He wasn't planning on doing it. He had already set the world record and was at some shooting clinic because he kind of does shows and he like, you know, teaches a little bit. And the people at the clinic were like, why don't you shoot until you miss? And he's like, all right. And he started goofing around and he shot for over seven hours. Wow. But there's a few other surprising things about him. How old were you when you broke this record? Let's see, I think it was 66, I believe. Have you ever played professional basketball? No, no. Did you ever play college basketball? No, never did. I played high school. That was the top level that I actually played. 
I played on the second team, or the B squad as they called it, in uh, Selah, Washington, which is in the Yakima Valley. How do you possibly make the jump from going from being a, a good high school, good city league player to becoming the all-time greatest free throw shooter? Well, I credit uh, the discipline and the able ability to concentrate to dairy farming. This guy is a dairy farmer. That is crazy. I know. And then he claims that one of the reasons he's such a great free throw shooter is because of the discipline and focus of being a dairy farmer. I, I dairy farmed for many years, milking cows and seven days a week, many, many hours a day in the cold weather up in Washington State. So I would get up at all hours of the night if there was one that I thought was ready to have a calf. Uh, I'd go down and uh, to the dairy and uh, make sure she was all right. And if she needed help delivering the calf, I would do that. Uh, other than that, I would get up at hour, early hours and, and set the machinery up ready to milk the cows, uh, go out in the pasture and drive them into the corral. I actually did artificial insemination on many, many different dairies because I was good at it and uh, did a lot of, uh, even though I'm not a veterinarian, I did a lot of pregnancy checking and that type of thing. But uh, I think the hours that I had to put in, uh, early hours, getting up at any time of the night uh, really helped me as far as discipline to stand there and concentrate without being uh, uh, distracted by anything. That's what they say. And waking up at three in the morning to inseminate a cow or get a calf out of a cow or, wow. So, all right, so Ted St. Martin, he's the best. He's made the most in a row ever in the history of basketball. And at this, if he played one-on-one -on -one with Michael Jordan, he would lose every time. He but would lose every time. Not, yeah. But at free throws, he is the best free throw shooter. So uh, that's why the free throw is so fascinating because you have this dairy farmer making 5,500 free throws in a row and then you have LeBron James throwing an air ball. Like, how can that be? Coming up after the break, how a 90s pop song makes 20,000 screaming people disappear. Welcome back to Surprisingly Awesome from Gimlet. I'm Adam Davidson. I am Adam McKay. So let me let me ask the the, the primary question here. Uh, what percentage uh, do you think going either way of free throw shooting is physical, and what percentage is mental? Uh, I say it's ninety mental, ten physical. So this is Ed Palubinskis, who is the guru of free throw shooting. You've climbed through the woods, you've climbed through the mountain, you've fought off ninjas. You've kicked in the door. You opened up the holy book to find out what the answer was. There was a mirror. You were able to deal with that. And then you go to the back room and this guy is sitting there. <laughs> Ed Palubinskis. Exactly. Yes. For example, Brandon Bass is one of my students and he, he's with the Celtics. He came to me at 68% and he is now the all-time leader in Celtic history from the free throw line in NBA uh, playoffs. He's at 93.1%. Brandon Bass. Wow. Right now, we'll go out today and he'll shoot 96, 97% every day. So Ed Palubinskis has worked with Shaquille O'Neal. He is the free throw doctor for the NBA. He's worked with everyone. 
No one has broken down the action of a free throw more than this man. He knows every millisecond, every bone in your hand, every muscle. And, you know, the big thing with him is like what you talked about with your dad on the tennis court, that people have emotions associated with this silly action of shooting a free throw. And that's the first thing he's got to get into. And that's the first thing he did with Shaquille O'Neal when he worked with him. Well, Shaq's problem was he was so abused throughout his youth. In other words, as a player, you know, like you go to the games and people scream from the sand, you suck, you Shaq, you can't, you know, all these uh, expletives and all that kind of stuff. And so you shy away from that. That's like me hitting my dog every time I come home. Every time I come home, the dog's not going to want to be near me because it's going to get beat up. And so he was abused mentally, okay? So he never wanted to uh, approach that. You know, like water fills every crevice. If you fl- water, if you flood a house, it's going to fill every nook and cranny. Your thoughts are the same way. So picture Shaquille O'Neal. He's seven feet tall. He's in high school. Every girl's into him. Every guy thinks he's awesome. He's dunking. He's the number one high school player in the in the land. His teachers love him. His parents love him, except when he goes to the free throw line, when he feels like the biggest dork in the world and he's throwing air balls and people are laughing at him. And even though he scored 58 points in the game, the next day in the hallway, kids are making cracks at him like, what's up, man? Can't make the free throws? And this dogged him his entire career. So he was so traumatized by this Shaquille O'Neal and all the negative feedback he got that the way Ed Palubinskis had to deal with this was he taught him to shoot with his eyes closed. Seriously? For real. Really? Yeah, check this out. Shaq made 60% with his eyes closed in front of Phil Jackson because we completely took his eyes out of the game and we worked on the spatial relationship between him, hand, mechanics, basket, uh, and uh, muscle memory. So you just literally had him close his eyes. Oh, yes. So when Shaq had his eyes open, he was too focused on the opinions of others, the results of his actions. That's correct. Initially. When players have their eyes open, they're thinking of the product. I hope I make it. As a man thinketh, so is he. And what is, what kind of doctor is he? Do you know he is, I don't think in any way a doctor. I don't think he has a PhD. He's just called the free throw Oh, doctor. I see. Okay, yeah. gotcha. He's not a yeah. kinesiologist or a psychologist. No, okay, no. <laughs> And so they, like he'll work, I mean, he'll do the physical, but then the main thing is figuring out your mental block. Both, both. both. He, he wants you to give up the mental to only focus on the physical. He wants you to only be thinking about the physical actions you have to be taking and to completely get away from past pain, results. None of that plays. Even thinking, like he doesn't even like positive visualization. He doesn't even want you thinking, I'm gonna make this because that's not focused on the action. Uh, But you know, the Shaquille O'Neal thing is really extreme. The poor guy, you know, was really tortured by it for a long time. Even the great shooters though, Dirk Nowitzki, one of the great shooters of all time, missed a key free throw in a championship series that cost his team essentially a championship. Yeah, you know, it's uh, that's a tough memory you're bringing up. I appreciate it. But uh, <laughs> in, in, the, uh, in the 06 finals, um, the, actually that was a series we lost to Miami uh, in one of the games. I think it was game three. Uh, we were down two with a couple seconds to go. All right, made the first free throw. Dallas down by one. Second free throw to even it up. It's no good. Dwayne Wade with the rebound. And I made the first one, and I think I was maybe a little bit too sure of, of it. 
and I clanked the second one, and we ended up losing that game three, and then we ended up losing the entire series. So that was uh, that was one free throw that I w that will always remember for the rest of my life. Dirk Nowitzki lamenting the fact that he missed that free throw. Wow. Well, I, I don't think there's anyone who follows the NBA that would disagree with the fact that Dirk Nowitzki is one of the probably six best shooters ever. I mean, he is a fantastic shooter, and he's a career 88, 89, 90% free throw shooter. He's amazing at free throws, and he missed the free throw that lost a pivotal championship game that ended up costing them the series. Wow. And even though they won a series, too, he has a championship ring. You can tell from his voice, like... Oh, no, you felt that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Dirk was really interesting. And Dirk, you know, who's a guy who's really studied the science of shooting, we asked him about how he approaches free throws uh, mentally, what, what kinds of tricks he uses. And he had a really interesting, bizarre routine that he sometimes uses. You know, I got this this coach of mine who's uh, I met when I was like 15, 16, and we always work on my shot. And, and his idea one time when I missed a couple pressure free throws uh, a while back and, and he said, I think you're a little too tense. You're trying to focus too much. Why don't you try singing a song at the line? And I looked at him like he, uh, like he was out of his mind. <laughs> um, so then I actually did try it sometimes and it, it worked. I mean, it's just, you know, so you don't completely freeze up at the line. You, you, you do want to concentrate, but you don't want to completely be frozen. So sometimes, you know, in big pressure situation, I, I, I sing a little song in my head or whatever comes to my mind that day, or, uh, and, and that helps usually uh, relax a little bit and, and hopefully make the free throws. Is there one song that you probably sing more than any other song? You know, I haven't done it in in, uh, in a few years now. Since obviously I'm, uh, I got my routine, and I'm usually pretty good at the free throw line. So that was more when, uh, when I was a younger player, um, that helped me to relax a little bit. Um, uh, Counting Crows, Mr. Jones. I don't know why that song, but I, I love that song. I, I still love that song, and uh, that song I just always came to my mind. So I was always singing Mr. Jones and me. So uh, I was singing that at the line, and uh, and then I was talking them down. I was down in New Amsterdam, and this yellow hat girl, Mr. Jones, tracks up a conversation with the black hair. Flamenco dancer. Yeah. And the rest I kind of forgot a little bit, but that's uh, that's kind of the midst of it. <laughs> that is awesome. It is such a human, like yeah. So not only do these players have all these rituals, like Dirk singing a song and Jason Kidd putting his hand out before he shoots, and these guys all have these tricks, but the fans have rituals they do too to try and distract the shooter. And this is one of the really common ones uh, is when you're at the free throw line, the whole crowd behind you will actually wave, <laughs> wave your head. <laughs> so you will see people. Oh my God, that is so upsetting. What the hell? That's just a giant cut out on foam board of my head. It, it is really upsetting. It's a fat head of Adam Davidson. It's fat head's a thing. That's fat head is a real thing. That is an actual brand name, and you'll see these in all the arenas. They'll have the that players' heads, a giant, and they wave them around. And then they also have like these inflatable like French fries they whack together too. 
And you'll see, like, when the guy's shooting, they'll be... Stop! Stop! (laughs) Oh, my God. It is so disturbing and distracting, and it's making me feel like a seven-year-old little boy. Wow. Oh, my God. Like... It's so upset. And anyone who's watched NBA or college games, you see these all the time in the stands. I mean, that's so evilly brilliant. It would not, if you had asked me what would be the most distracting thing you could do, I don't think I ever would have come up ever, with ever. a like, yeah. huge foam board cut out of my head. But now that I see it, it is the most distracting. It's really it, literally distracting. Literally the single yeah. most distracting. And distract- if it was a, yeah. one of me, it would really distract me too. Like yeah. it's, you, no one wants to see their head depicted in such a manner. No, yeah. that is awful. Um, will you please terrify your wife with it? <laughs> please? Will you hang it right over your bed and act like... <laughs> wow. So, seems like you got interested. I mean... All right, let me summarize. Before I came in, sports felt like one undifferentiated mass of stuff that I just didn't care about. Right. Certain like little thought bubbles come out like... It's stupid jingoism about your home team. It's this arbitrary something where people yell about numbers. Who cares about school? And then the specifics of free throws, I just felt like partic- just arbitrary. Like, why would you? <laughs> that, that just seems like the most boring part of a boring thing. And so it just felt like this other thing, this thing that has nothing to do with me. I think I thought like my fear and bad memories and insecurities took me away from basketball. But I think you said something on the court, which was that's what everybody has when they are on the free throw line. And it, it just the way you said it, I was like, oh, like I'm way over here, lonely and alone. And all those other people are great at sports. Like the free throw is where we all meet. Like the tools you need for dealing with the free throw are the tools you need for for dealing with life no doubt about it so i feel like here's what i feel like a totally enjoyed this way more than i thought like really interesting that's great two if a basketball game was on and there was someone at the free throw line i'm not sure that like i would watch the rest of the game but i'll definitely stop and watch and be interested i I kind of want to see it i will take that as a big victory So it's a day later after we did free throws and you've just told me something that's blown my mind. Yeah. I genuinely thought you could not do basketball. Like I really thought like, oh shoot, am I going to have to just force it? To say it changed my life. I think that's legitimate. It changed my life. I was talking to my wife and I was like, I've been walking around with a self-conception that's wrong. And I've been thinking about who I am in a wrong way. Wow. And... And I started feeling excited about, like, it's because I have a kid now. So thinking, like, oh, I can be, and that felt very exciting, like, moving, like, tears in my eyes moving. Like, I can be, I can be a different kind of dad today than I could have been two days ago. If, if you end up, as a result of finding the joy of the simple activity of shooting a free throw, if you end up eight or nine times for Ashes, your son's childhood, shooting hoops with him, that may be the most beautiful change I have ever brought on the planet Earth. <laughs> like, there's nothing else I've done. Like, my wife and I really made a decision to start recycling bags when we went to the supermarket. Like, you know, I taught my daughters how to ride a bike. But a father and son brought together under the joy of shooting. 
I'm I mean, thinking that like, is the change. Like right now, I can picture myself doing that. Makes me feel fine, <laughs> blowing through the jasmine of my mind. Come on, Ash, you can do it. Can you catch it? <laughs> you did it. You kicked it. Yeah, that was great, Ash. That's it for this episode of Surprisingly Awesome. This episode was produced by Alex Koppelman, Alex Bloomberg, and Robin Woley. Our theme song is by the great Nicholas Bertel. The Reverend John Delore mixed this episode. He also wrote and performed music for the episode, along with his bandmates Jordan Scanella, Sam Merrick, and Isamu McGregor. Surprisingly Awesome is a production of Gimlet Media. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Go to gimletmedia.com slash awesome to see a picture of my actual fat head next to the cutout fat head that McKay made. I'm Adam Davidson. I am Adam McKay. And this has been Surprisingly Awesome. <laughs>